Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside Trey Lyle. It has been a while since we have done an episode. Hey, that rhymed. Trey Lyle, it's been a while. How about that? Your computer decided that it was truly the off season, so he <laughs> turned off. They turned off. Yeah, my That's computer went kaput. Why are we having video, uh, folks? Yeah, we missed a lot in that time. Um, we missed three Carlos Correa signings. How about that? Yeah. Um, signed with the Giants, failed a physical. Signed with the Mets, failed a physical. Ended up back with the Twins. So good for the Twins, I guess. They'll might fit. They'll probably finish second in the division again. Yeah, that was just funny. I, I think that's called. Uh, is that karma from from how he handled the cheating scandal? Mm, I'll just say probably. Just, all right. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Derek Jeter's joining Fox. That was announced this weekend at the Super Bowl. Um, it actually makes me enjoy want to watch a Fox broadcast now. So that's good. Um, Rob Manfred said some stupid stuff about blackouts and how they want to get access to people and and like didn't say he wanted to get you know they should get rid of it, but getting access to people is their top priority. Well, you know, you fix the blackout issue, that, that'd be, um, be smart. Um, you know, uh, we got some rule changes, you know, rule changes going into effect as spring training starts bigger bases. I like that one. I think it'll reduce injuries. They tested that in the minors last year. Uh, but also the most noticeable one, I guess. Yeah. We also have, uh, banning the shift and pitch clocks. So pitch clocks are actually going into effect now where if you, take too much time if you're the batter it's an automatic strike and if you're the pitcher it's an automatic ball so that's going to be really interesting to see how that works i've watched a couple of minor league games with that and it, it really doesn't change it it just speeds the game up just a little bit i feel like a night in a game adds up i feel like i've seen a lot of minor league games though where they have the pitch clock going but they don't really enforce it so now yeah, i guess it. now they're enforcing it so that'll be interesting to see how yeah. that changes things up but uh yeah rule change is going into effect a lot of people don't like it but it's happening it is what it is and the ghost runner is not permanent extra innings is permanent yeah so that's what's changing in major league baseball um what else is it's going on pitchers are here. yeah pitchers baseball and catchers. season is almost football just ended basketball in the, in the middle baseball season is almost here get excited it is almost here. Major League Baseball season a little bit farther away, but we have college baseball getting ready to kick off this weekend. And last year, Virginia Tech had a great season. As you all know, Trey and I are Virginia Tech alumni. So we were very excited to watch that season last year, a historic run by the Hokies baseball team. And here to help us break down what to expect in 2023 is the voice of the Virginia Tech baseball team, Mr. Evan Hughes himself. We are so excited to be joined by Evan Hughes on today's episode of the podcast to preview Virginia Tech baseball, getting ready to kick off their 2023 season. Evan, it's been a while since we've had you on. Always good to talk baseball with you. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing, man? I'm great. It is great to be back with you guys. Three Virginia Tech School of Communication alums on the same call together. It is baseball season. It was 70 degrees today in Blacksburg. 
I'm fired up. Best time of the year in Blacksburg is when the weather goes from winter and cold to the spring and the sun and the fans come out. And uh, I, I'm so pumped for this 2023 Virginia Tech baseball season. Yeah, it should be a really good one, especially after last year. Uh, sorry, Trey, I cut you off there. But, uh, you know, last year, historic season, winning their first ever regular season ACC title. How do you think they're going to follow up last year? I think they're going to be just as good this season. And I think they're going to pick up right where they left off last season. I think that when you look at it, right, I mean, you lose one of the best players in program history and Gavin Cross and Tanner Schobel. I think people forget how good Kate Hunter was, not just offensively, but defensively behind the plate. But I think that, you know, Coach Chef and his staff have done a tremendous job at replacing that talent. And, and you know, one thing that he's talked about in the offseason is that they're projecting what the roster is going to look like a year to a year and a half out. So nothing happened this offseason that surprised them. They were prepared to lose the players that they lost to the MLB draft. And I think when you look at this tech team, you got to start with the pitching and the depth that comes back on this squad from a year ago. You return two of your three weekend starters in Griffin Green and then Drew Hackenberg, who is the first ever returning All-American pitcher in program history, led the ACC in ERA last year as a true freshman, won over 10 starts. They return. Then you look at the bullpen. You lose Graham Firevet, who was one of the top options out of the pen. But Kiernan Higgins, preseason All-American, returns as your closer. You've got Henry Weicker. You've got Jonah Herney, Christian Worley, Brady Kurtner, Tyler Dean. So you return a bunch of arms. And then I think the Tech's going to get tons of great starts on Sundays from Miami transfer Anthony Arguelles, who had a ton of options when he left Miami. He could have gone to a lot of spots. He chose to come to Blacksburg and Virginia Tech. And I, I think that rotation, at least of what it projects as we record on February 15th, of Green, Hackenberg, Arguelles on weekends are going to be really, really good for Virginia Tech, especially in ACC play. Yeah, this is this is a deep team, and uh, you know, you mentioned the the regional, uh, super regional, I should say, versus Oklahoma last year. It ultimately was Oklahoma's bullpen and kind of their their small ball approach that ultimately, you know, got them to the College Bowl Series against Virginia Tech. How has Coach John Chef kind of, you know, taken that kind of defeat in, in the style in which you know it was kind of the perfect matchup against Virginia Tech's, you know high power offense was a, a small ball approach and, you know, elite pitching in the bullpen, ultimately stymied the bats and, and result, how they've been able to kind of address that. If we want to say an issue for a, a very elite team, and Oklahoma was an elite team last year, I believe they made it to the final last year, right? right? They made it to the college World series final. So they, they were a very elite team and, and maybe it's just a case that they caught the, the hot team at the wrong time. And I think there's a large part of that, right? It's all about when you peak. I mean, Oklahoma last year, late March, was 18 and 14, coming off of a series loss to New Orleans, right? And they caught fire late in the season. And that Sunday starter, his name's escaping me, he's a lefty, was a top 10 pick in the MLB draft, right? That the Hokies saw in the winner take all game uh, to go to Omaha. So um, I think, honestly, Trey, I think that the, the staff is looking at it as a positive in that. At this time last year, a good chunk of the roster had never played in an ACC tournament game, let alone an NCAA tournament game. And a year later, you return all the depth we just talked about in, this, in the pitching staff. And then we didn't even really talk much about the offense yet, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you return a good chunk 
of your position players from last year, they know what it's like to play 10 ACC series and how to win those and, and go to Greensboro and be a number one seed and, um, and to win a regional. Like I, I think sometimes we talk about that, but we think, oh, okay, well, that's true. But like, it, it matters, right? Like when you're experiencing something for the first time, right. And you've never been in that situation, like I think about for me personally as a broadcaster, right? Like year one last year in my job, I was learning so much experience. Like I experienced the NCAA tournament for the first time. Like I know exactly what to expect as a broadcaster this year when tech women's basketball goes to one or for tech baseball, what it's like to host a region, like to know what it's like, how to prepare for that, what the environment's going to be like, how to win in those high leverage games. I don't think you can put a price tag on how important that is. And so I think that's what coach chef has really emphasized to the team into the media so far going into the year that that makes a huge difference. And this team, a large portion of them know what it's like to be one game away from achieving your ultimate dream of going to play for a national championship. I think that can only benefit the Hokies going into 2023. Kate Horton was his name. He was, uh, he went seven to the Cubs two picks later. Uh, obviously Gavin cross went to the Royals and, you know, I, I believe that was the highest pick in program history. So it, 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 they are missing, you know, Gavin Cross, you touched on a, a couple of the players coming back, but how, you know, how big of a loss is Gavin Cross? You're losing, I mean, you're losing a top 10 pick. And I guess in baseball, it, it doesn't matter as much as they're losing a top 10 pick, let's say in, in football, which would probably be a quarterback or, or basketball, but that, that's still a, a big talent just, you know, walking out the door and, and going, you know, to a very, you know, it, it shows the growth of the program, but it also is kind of when you get to this point of getting elite talent, well, the elite talent leaves, you have to replace it. You know, it's a great point, and you can't replace Gavin Cross with just one player. It's not the way it's going to work. However, I think Virginia Tech, this is the most depth. I was talking to associate head coach for hitting Kurt Elvin yesterday on my podcast, and he brought up the fact how this is the most depth that any team he's been a part of in Blacksburg since the arrival in 2018 of Coach Jeff and the staff. So I think you you try to replace Gavin Cross's production with multiple people, right? Whether you're getting that production in the outfield spot, the DH spot, right? Like you're, you're not going to be able to do that with one person. What Gavin Cross did last year and in his Hokie career is incredible. It's going to go down as one of the best careers in the history of the program. But I really do – I look at this lineup – guys I still see a ton of firepower right like you lose Schobel you lose Cross you lose Hunter right three mainstays but I mean you return your cleanup hitter and Jack Hurley Carson Demartini is maybe the best nine hole hitter in the history of college baseball last year hitting I think like 340 right putting up power numbers in the nine spot you move him to the heart of the lineup and you counter that with Eduardo Malinowski who got off to a great start last year struggled down the stretch I think he's going to be leaps and bounds better in year two, um, again, another guy who knows what it's like to go through an ACC schedule and to play at a high level like last year. So, again, you're going to look to different people to replace that production, but um, you, you can't just say one person's going to be Gavin Cross. And that's what makes Gavin Cross so special, right? That's why he'll be forever remembered as one of the best players in program history. So we, we've kind of gone over the players that have left that were taken in the draft last year, the players that are still around. Uh, some of these guys, you know, they're preseason All-Americans like Hackenberg and Higgins and Hurley and Demartini. They're, you know, they're getting a lot of respect ahead of the season. But the team overall picked to finish fourth in the Coastal Division this year, starting the season ranked 14th. They finished last season ranked 10th, so dropping a couple spots there. 
are they paying attention to any of that or are they just kind of putting their heads down going to work and ready to play baseball I, I and i mean and you and you guys know this right like with baseball players and all the games they play i'm like believe me they really don't pay attention to that i know coach chef doesn't pay attention to that right like the outside noise again last year this was a team that was picked by d1 baseball to finish last in the coastal and near the bottom of the acc and they win an acc regular season title and i think that just goes to show right there that preseason projections like so much of that in my opinion is based off of last year and then looking at what what comes back right it's it's so hard to project that but i also look at it from the other side matt and say the one baseball's got them ranked 14th in the country in their preseason poll and the Hokies were one of four teams that got a vote to win the conference i think it was Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like Wake, Louisville, and Miami, maybe. Was that the other three? Clemson. Clemson. Clemson yeah. So I think that there's – I mean, again, it, it, to me, it's not as much of our people not giving Virginia Tech the respect. I think it just goes to show, again, how good the ACC is, right? Like Miami, North Carolina, I think the Tar Heels are going to be really good. They return a lot uh, offensively. And then uh, Virginia, right, year in and year out, it's so good. So you might look at it and say, wow, fourth place, that's middle of the pack. But at the same time, all four of those teams could very well host a regional, right? They're all four just that good. Um, I, I think Georgia Tech finished fourth last year, and they I think they hosted a regional. So it's gonna be, that's the beautiful thing about the ACC, right? It is so good, and um, it's going to be really fun to see how it all plays out. Because, again, I think the Coastal has the most depth. I know that you've got Wake, you've got Louisville on the Atlantic side, I think Clemson, obviously – with the addition of Backage coming over from Michigan is going to be really good. But, the, I mean, you look at the Coastal, even Pittsburgh, right, made a run to the ACC semis last year uh, in Charlotte. So, like, seriously, it sounds like a cliche, but it is so true. There's not an off weekend in the ACC. Look at Boston College, right? Honeyman comes back, projected top 10 pick, I believe was the MVP of the Coast, uh, of the um, uh, Cape Cod League this summer. Like, Boston College can make some noise. So, I can't wait. There's never going to be a bad weekend of ACC baseball this year with a talent top to bottom in this conference. Think about Notre Dame last year. I mean, they were a middle of the pack ACC team and they beat Tennessee, maybe the greatest regular season team we've seen in college baseball, um, at least in recent memory. That Tennessee team is was really good last year and was the number one overall team. They beat them in the Super Regional or in the Regional, excuse me. And so it's, it's definitely something uh, – you know, I, I, I think obviously the SEC is really deep in baseball and they have a lot of really good programs, but the ACC is right there. To- totally agree. And I think the ACC can still get 10, 11 teams to me. I mean, I thought NC State was robbed last year, right? And I think that would have gotten the ACC to nine. I think that in some regards, the ACC could be a little deeper this year. Uh, so, Hard, hard to top last year how good that is. But it's fun to see the SEC stacked up against the ACC because, I mean, my goodness, and those two conferences right there produce some of the best talent in the country year in, year out. So, like you were saying, there, there's no real off weekend in ACC baseball this year. Uh, some of the teams coming to Blacksburg, you got UNC, UVA, Clemson. They're playing Wake Forest on the road, so that'll be a tough series on the road. But the series in Blacksburg, I mean, what kind of atmosphere are you expecting this year? Because I – you know, I remember when Trey and I were students going to games at, at English Field and there was nobody there. You know, we were the only ones in the stands. We're and, so old. We remember when it opened. <laughs> Our senior year, they did all the renovations. It became a really, really nice park. And seeing the videos from last year, it made me so jealous that those students are there right now because it looked like an insane atmosphere 
I mean, what are you expecting at these Alcohol ACC sales. games? We got to get you guys <laughs> back is what I'm thinking right now. Um, I was blown away at how good the crowds were last year. And I think to the um, middle game of the Miami series, which was the spring weekend in which it was a top five attended game in program history. I think it was like 3,500. And it was nuts how packed it was. I mean, you had people down the first baseline towards where the picnic tables are. And it was, I mean, I remember talking to Coach Jeff about it the next day in our, in our pregame interview. He couldn't believe it. I think he even compared it to being at like a carnival or a concert where just like everywhere you look, there's something going on. And I think, listen, tech fans are really embracing it. I think they are a fun, they, they play a fun brand of baseball, right? And in that they, they emphasize offense. They hit a lot of home runs. They've got the sledgehammer and the build it in Blacksburg mentality. And the guys are a lot of fun too. Like Gavin Cross, fun player. Tanner Schobel, really fun to like. It's just a fun group to watch. And I also think like literally when the, when the weather gets warmer out, people want to go do stuff. And tech baseball is a great place to go. And so I, I was amazed. There's sometimes last year, many times where I just let the broadcast breathe and and let the let's go Hokies champ, you know, come through loud and clear over the radio or the cheering because it it gets really loud at English field. And I expect it to continue to grow. And I think even in the non-conference or some of those chilly games, you're going to see good crowds there as well. I love seeing that. Cause I, I know, you know, all of us growing up, Virginia tech was a football school. And just in the time since, since we've been in school, you see, you know, all yeah, the three of us are had way more success. Um, you know, yeah. the three of us were, were wrestling fans. So we've seen wrestling have huge turnout. We see obviously basketball has had some really good years and, you know, a lot of fans at those games and now baseball and other sports as well. It's, it's growing across all the sports at Virginia Tech. So it's really good to see, um, you know, not just in baseball, but for the athletic program as a whole. Absolutely. Um, all sports. Right. And, and that really matters in whether it was, it was the softball regional and super regional right. softball too, and the extra stands that were brought in or wrestling, setting the attendance record against NC state a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think lacrosse, they're getting better turnouts. Um, you know, uh, men's and women's soccer are getting good. I mean, it's great to see, and people want to support winning programs. And there are a lot of winning programs right now in Blacksburg, which is great to see. I mean, you, you look at this Virginia Tech team, and obviously, uh, there uh, is some controversy. It's time to talk about this. Obviously, the reason Virginia Tech baseball kind of got nationally recognized at first is because I think they had the best celebration maybe in college sports. Uh, the, the home run hammer uh, after uh, a Virginia player hit the home run, they would obviously smash the hammer. And uh, it has since been banned. Basically, any on Field celebration with a prop has been banned by the NCAA. Um, how much baloney is that? And I'm, I'm being nice. You know, I, I think that um, I think the NCAA wants to do a good job of protecting any chance of it being directed at an opposing team, right? This is not just a hammer. This is because that's never happened before. Let me back this up, right? The hammer has always been in celebration of a Virginia Tech home run. And I think the team does a great job at making it about them in the moment. And I think this goes for what the Tennessee in the, in the fur coat, te uh, Texas bringing up the football oh, helmet. Tennessee in the fur coats in the bullpen, that would technically be allowed. 
from my um, understanding. It's anything well, on I the think, field. You know, I, I, I think that for me, I'll, I'll say this. I think it's a bummer because I think that it really helps grow the game. I've seen little kids at English field get so excited for the hammer. You see the phones come out and everyone wants to get the hammer on their story. Um, listen, we could do a whole nother podcast about how baseball needs to, um, how does baseball appeal to a younger audience in the next 20, 30, 40 years? And Manfred, um, it's, all, I just think that um, I think the hammer did so much good. And while I don't know what this year, because I'm assuming that's a question I'll be asked of what will be done this year. And I don't know. We'll find out this weekend. But I do know this, that there were, you know, building in Blacksburg was the mantra that day one coach chef set in stone that this is what the program was going to be about. And the sledgehammer not only represents hitting a home run and attacking the mindset of hitting mashing balls, right, hitting home runs and their offense, but I think the sledgehammer also represents Virginia Tech and the blue-collar um, person who works hard, right, and the lunch pail. I think there's so many similarities, and I know that the, the sledgehammer will still, in some way, it'll be recognized. It will be still definitely a part of this team, and I know for me, my, you know, I, I, I kind of came up with a, a catchphrase of goodbye baseball, hello sledgehammer, and I hope to continue to, to, to use that this year. And in context, they sort of banned it during the regionals, and Virginia Tech kind of just did the. And I, I'm a, my my guess, and I think you might agree with this, Evan and, and Matt, is they'll just kind of mock it, like they'll do the what they did for the tournament, which was they symbolized smashing the hammer, uh, ham not hammer, and and not hammer because that's air, not a the air hammer. Yes, and so um, it, it it it's unfortunate to see, and I think you bring up a great point of. It, it was just fun. It was, it was cool. It, it and you know, it, it put, you know, Virginia tech beat. It was really like, it, it's weird to say, like they had to do something to get themselves on the map to recognize, Hey, this is a really good baseball team. And, and that's kind of what did it. Like it, it you know, you, you're, you're on the field stuff will happen. And I guess if they had the same record, they'd get the similar recognition, but kind of the way they did it. And it, it's, it wasn't even brass. It was just excitement. Yeah. And, and fun and it's what got them on the map i think i again I, I i think they'll they'll do like i don't know if you can bring the hammer in the dugout right and and wave it in there like something will be done right they're not going to get rid of it being oh. a program um so anyway i'm curious to see what they do i really i really am definitely we'll be looking out for that when the season starts um before we get into you know talking about this weekend going down to charleston you recently had a pretty cool opportunity with uh, Baseball Night in Blacksburg, the annual fundraiser for the baseball team. You got to talk with Hall of Famer Chipper Jones. I mean, what was that jealous. like? I just want to throw that out there. Um, it, it was a dream. It was seriously a, a dream come true, right? Um, there have been some amazing guests at Baseball Night in Blacksburg, but, you know, shout out to Brad Klontz of Virginia Tech Baseball Hall of Famer who won a World Series with Chipper in 95 that apparently he had been telling Chipper for 20 years, he's going to get him to Blacksburg. And this was the, the finally the time that it worked out. Um, it was really cool. He's such a humble guy. Um, took pictures with literally everybody. Told some great stories on the air. Um, you know, he broke down when I asked him about the Hall of Fame and what it meant to him and his family. Um, had some funny moments. Uh, it was the, 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 most, uh, the, the quickest 30 minutes I've ever been a part of in my life. It was very fast. It was one of those moments you didn't want it to end. Uh, we raised some great money for the program. 
but he uh, went above and beyond and I think delivered a really good message to the team earlier in the day. And, you know, he came in prepared knowing about how we were one win away from Omaha and, and gave him some, you know, advice and pointers on that. But it, it was great. It was a great way to kick off the 2023 tech baseball season. And, um, you know, from talking about his relationship with Hank Aaron, uh, how he became one of the best switch hitter, switch hitters in the history of, uh, of uh, baseball. I mean, it was, it was really, really unique. And uh, what, what a cool guy. Yeah, it definitely looks like a really cool event. I, I was jealous that, um, you know, I wish I could have been there. It looks like a really awesome event having him down there. Always a great event. I've been, you know, following along with that for years. They've always had cool Absolutely. guests. And Jeff Passan was there last year, I think. So That's right. Really cool guests throughout the history of the event. All right. So this weekend at the College of Charleston, uh, you were talking about how it's always really nice when Blacksburg gets warm in the spring, but now you get to go down to South Carolina and enjoy the palm trees down there in Charleston. You looking forward to that trip? Can't wait. Um, really, you know, again, you might look at the non-conference slate and say, okay, well, College of Charleston, Bryant, Charlotte, to the average fan, that might not mean something. Those are three really good mid-majors, really good. And Charleston last year, the CAA regular season champs at uh, 19 and five, they're the uh, pick to repeat as the regular season champions this year. They return a lot. And I think this is going to be a, well, first of all, yes, the weather, very excited to go down to the Palmetto State. Absolutely. But really good opening weekend challenge for Virginia. It's a team that absolutely, I think, will be in an NCAA regional at the end of this year, right? Last year, in ironic, Tech played Wright State third weekend of the year. Then they were in the Blacksburg regional. This is another kind of situation. And they went 37 and 20 last year. They end up going like, you know, 40 and 14. They might be able to be a three seed, maybe even a two seed in a regional. So there's great history with that program. Brett Gardner uh, is an alum. Uh, he's got his jersey retired on the outfield wall, New York Yankee, 2009 World Series champion. Um, and then his name's escaping me with the manager of the uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, is uh, also an alum of College of Charleston. So anyway, a little bit of history there for you, but really excited to see it get going. And um, just, again, baseball's back. I'm excited. Hokie fans are excited. And it's going to be a good test this weekend for the Hokies. So you're going to have a Guardy party on uh, this weekend. I've been doing uh, work on Guardy. He was a two-time walk-on. He got cut his first time trying out. He was a walk-on to College of Charleston and then went on to become Brett Gardner, which is amazing. Speaking of New York baseball teams, let's talk about your team, the New York Mets, spending a lot, a lot of money, a lot of money for the first time ever. What are your, what are your expectations for this team? Here, here's a funny part, backstory. I'm in a group chat with Trey and a couple of other sports fans. I'm not even a Mets fan. I latched on to the Mets because I wanted Andrew Alex, our good friend, to have a chance them, you know, because I'm a Jets fan, so it's like all Jets those fans. Jets, I'm, are a, the thing. I'm, I'm a Twins fan. That's my team. Oh, that is. I know that. I knew that. I, uh, I, knew that. I, I latched on to the Mets and was going back and forth with our good friend Brady Hess. Um, let me just say this: I think the Mets are the most intriguing team in all of baseball. Um, I, I just think that with you know, you bring in Cohen and he spends all that money. Um, there's so like that's what I want the Jets to be even if we don't win a Super Bowl can we just get back to like being in playoff contention and like again not to compare NFL to uh, MLB but uh, I love Verlander going there I think him and Scherzer are going to be a good tandem 
Um, you know, I was really, I'm very happy that Correa did not end up signing there, that he's back in Minnesota, but that would have been a unique storyline. But I, I think that baseball is better when the Mets are in contention and the Mets are being talked. It, it's better. Listen, all sports, when your New York teams are winning and your teams in California are winning, specifically in L.A., it's better for the sport and maybe the Dallas Cowboys in there too. Like it's better for the sport. So uh, I'm all for it. And I can't wait to see what the luxury tax looks like for them in three years. I saw today that uh, Jacob deGrom is already injured at the beginning of spring training for the Texas Rangers. So maybe that was smart by the Mets letting him walk. I mean, listen, Verlander, I mean, he still won the Cy Young last year, right? Correct me. He's still durable. I'd rather have Justin Verlander in a two year window to win a world series than Jacob deGrom. Right now, talent-wise, obviously it's DeGrom, but, you know, consistency matters at this point. So, uh, I, you know, NL East is going to be, again, much must-watch television. Um, you know, I, I think the Marlins are getting better. Right? I'm excited to see Chisholm. Uh, and then uh, Louis Arise, still upset that my twins traded him to Miami. I didn't like the return that we got. But uh, the NL East continues to be, you know, obviously the Braves – um, you know, we'll see about the net and then the Phillies, right? I mean, like the Phillies, like that's going to be the most interesting division in baseball this year. No question in my mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely has been uh, interesting for the past couple of years. I'm looking forward to it this year and looking forward to Hokies baseball getting kicked off this weekend. Evan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll be following along all year. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Can't wait to get you two to English field sometime this year to see a packed Uh, crowd to watch Hokie baseball. Thanks for the coverage and I hope to be back with you all soon. Thanks for listening to the foul ball area podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. So you get new episodes as soon as they come out.